Hi everyone! As promised, we are back for the second half of our discussion on defensive stocks and cyclical stocks. This time, we will be focusing on the latter. Angela Torres, our head of research, is here with us again to briefly explain what cyclical stocks are and how they fare in today's market. Good day to you all. I hope that everyone is doing well and keeping safe. Welcome to another episode of BPI Trades Podcast. We're quite hopeful that this will be another interesting and fruitful session for you. Again, before anything, I'd like to introduce myself first. I am Angelo Torres, and I currently head the equity research team of BPI Securities. I do equity strategy for the team, and I also cover banks and large-cap consumer names. So the topic for today is basically a follow-up to the two-part podcast series where we promised to discuss the differences between defensive stocks and cyclical stocks. In our prior session, we had a deep dive on defensive stocks. And for today, I'm going to focus on cyclical stocks, which are on the other side of the spectrum and which are becoming more relevant again as the economy gradually reopens from the lockdowns. But before we go into detail on cyclical stocks, allow me to refresh your memories on what constitutes a defensive stock. First, defensive stocks are shares of companies that can generate resilient cash flows and remain generally profitable, notwithstanding the difficult macro backdrop, such as the one we are experiencing right now with the COVID-19 outbreak. Basically, their products and services are considered to be essential, and hence demand is quite stable throughout the business cycle. As such, defensive stocks are characterized as being less dependent on the economic situation, with business operations remaining fairly resilient, even in the face of elevated external risks. Second, defensive stocks are generally able to pay dividends that are underpinned by the steady stream of income they derive from sustained operations. Third, defensive stocks typically have low betas, which can be less than 1.0. Theoretically, when we categorize a stock as low beta, this means that its share price is less volatile than the overall market or a certain benchmark such as the PSEI. Hence, defensive stocks, which are essentially low beta stocks, are considered to be less risky investment outlets. Finally, examples of defensive stocks in the Philippine stock market are telcos such as Globe, Tel, and Converge, consumer staples such as URC, CNPF, FB, PGold, and RRHI, utilities such as ASEN, AP, FGEN, Meralco, and Manila Water, and REITs such as ARI. Now, cyclical stocks are on the other side of the fence basically the opposite of what defensive stocks are. Let's try to define what they are. Cyclical stocks are shares of companies whose financial and share price performance tend to be largely influenced or affected by the prevailing macroeconomic circumstances of a country or the various stages in the business cycle. Cyclical companies typically see more volatility in their cash flows and earnings versus their defensive stock counterparts, and hence can be characterized as inherently riskier investments compared to the latter especially during economic downturns. In relation to this, um, we've actually also noted that generally, the cyclical stocks under our coverage have betas equal to or greater than one. A stock with a beta of one indicates that its share price tends to move in the general direction of the market or the PSEI, while a beta of more than one suggests that the stock price tends to be more volatile than the overall market. On the other hand, as what I mentioned earlier, Defensive stocks typically have betas of less than one, which means that their share prices are less volatile than the overall market. Since cyclical stocks typically have higher betas than defensive stocks, they can be considered as riskier assets. As a rule of thumb, 
when the economy does well, cyclical stocks outperform, while in periods of weak economic growth, cyclical stocks underperform. This is because demand for the products and services of a cyclical company would generally depend on the current state of the economy. In periods of high economic growth, when unemployment is low and productivity improves, households earn more and hence have more money to spare. In turn, demand for discretionary products and services such as restaurant dining and travel and leisure increase, while purchases of big-ticket items such as cars, houses, and consumer electronics also accelerate. The companies that directly benefit from the scenario of accelerating consumer demand are typically cyclical stocks. On the other hand, when the economy is weak and unemployment increases, consumers have less money to spend on discretionary products and services, and purchases of big-ticket items decline. In such a scenario, cyclical companies are directly affected. Now, let's try to be more specific and identify more cyclical sectors and stocks within the Philippine stock market. One of the most common cyclical stocks would be consumer discretionary companies, such as what I mentioned earlier. We have a number of them in the stock market. Basically, these would be your restaurants, such as JFC, Pizza, and Maxis, or home improvement retailers, such as Wilcon and Home. When the economy grows, more jobs are created and incomes rise. And this can be accompanied by a greater propensity to direct basic consumption of necessities such as food, medicine, and hygiene products to discretionary spending. For instance, instead of cooking at home, people may opt to order more online as they can afford to do so since uh, disposable incomes are rising. Also, when people have higher incomes, they may opt to renovate their homes or buy more appliances, furniture, and other housing decorations that could directly benefit the home improvement retailers I mentioned earlier. Meanwhile, when the economy is not doing well, businesses may decide to not pursue expansion plans. In turn, the job market and average family incomes are directly affected. When this happens, households would have less money to spare on discretionary or non-essential items and would likely conserve cash and focus their spending on the most basic and important or essential items such as food. Another example of cyclical stocks would be travel-related and tourism-related stocks such as SEB and Bloom. Obviously, during the pandemic, when travel restrictions have been implemented and exacerbated by a weak economy, cyclical stocks like airlines and gaming have not done well. Actually, even when there is no pandemic, when the economy is just generally weak, leisure travelers and even businesses could postpone or cut back on their travel plans to save on expenses. And when there are less travelers, airlines and gaming companies and resorts are directly affected. Fewer revenues mean less operating leverage and hence a decline in profits, which could ultimately drag the stock price. On the other hand, when the economy does well and average family incomes rise, people are likely to travel for leisure and even visit casinos since they have confidence in the economy and have the funds to spare. Likewise, in such periods of economic expansion, businesses are earning more and would likely have bigger budgets for business trips to send their employees for conferences or to meet clients overseas. As such, airlines and tourism-related companies directly benefit. More revenues would translate to higher profits and, ideally, a better stock price performance. The third set of cyclical stocks I would like to highlight for today are banks such as PPI, PDO, Metro Bank, and Security Bank. Banks are basically one of the more 
vulnerable sectors in periods of economic downturns, but could also be one of the best performing sectors when the economy expands. This is because revenues and profits are, of banks are directly tied to the state of the economy since they are exposed to practically all industries as they lend money to various businesses and households. So if the economy is expected to do well, businesses may tend to borrow more to fund expansion plans since the encouraging macro backdrop gives them the confidence to invest more to capture growth. Hence, project financing and even acquisition financing for M&As could fuel demand for bank loans. Also, when consumer confidence improves, households which are earning more may opt to purchase homes, cars, motorcycles, consumer electronics, and other discretionary items via financing from banks. These come in the form of mortgage loans, auto loans, motorcycle loans, personal loans, or credit card purchases. Also, with increasing incomes, households are also generating more savings and are becoming more affluent such that they can devote a bigger portion of their budgets for investment in insurance products such as UITFs and VULs, which would directly benefit the wealth management and insurance businesses of the banks. Furthermore, when the economy is doing well, it is usually accompanied by a gradual rise in interest rates. Since the primary business model of banks is to lend to businesses and consumers with the goal of making a decent spread from the cost of funding from deposits and borrowings, Higher interest rates should generally translate to better earnings for banks, assuming the spreads they generate expand. Meanwhile, if the economy is in recession and business and consumer confidence are challenged, demand for credit could substantially decline and hence directly affect the profitability of the banking sector. Basically, businesses may opt to postpone their spending plans in order to preserve cash and manage the balance sheet. This is because it may not make sense for corporates to invest heavily at the moment for the simple reason that overall demand is weak. On the other hand, households may cut back on spending on discretionary items and could delay purchases of big-ticket items such as homes and cars, ultimately translating to weaker demand for consumer credit. Households may also have less money for investment in insurance products since majority of their budgets would now be devoted for basic necessities such as food, medicine, and hygiene products. Also, in periods of economic downturns, loan delinquencies may rise as businesses could be challenged and households with existing mortgages or auto loans may find it difficult to settle their loan obligations. As such, the cost of credit for banks could increase and could materially affect the bottom line. Also, in periods of recession, interest rates tend to fall. Again, since the primary business model of banks is to lend money to businesses and consumers, with the goal of making a decent spread, a low interest rate environment could be detrimental for banks, affecting their profitability. The fourth set of cyclical stocks that I'd like to focus on are property developers such as Ayala Land, RLC, SM Prime, Megaworld, and Philinvest Land. We consider property developers as cyclical companies since demand for property is directly correlated to the state of the economy. For instance, when the economy grows and more jobs are created and urbanization accelerates, demand for housing increases as well. Households are earning more and can now afford to purchase homes or condominiums. Also, when the economy is expected to do well, businesses may opt to hire more and expand their current operations. In turn, this could increase demand for office space as well as for industrial space for companies with manufacturing and warehousing requirements. The property companies I mentioned also have substantial moral operations where they generate revenues from rentals and from a percentage of sales of tenants. 
Obviously, when consumer confidence is high, households may have a greater propensity to spend more and could thus visit malls more often, which ultimately benefits the mall operators. Finally, the property stocks I mentioned also have leisure or hotel components, which should also do well when household incomes are rising. On the flip side, when the economy tanks or when the economy is not doing well, property developers are also directly affected. For instance, a weak labor market could mean a tighter budget for households, which could then delay purchases of homes or condominiums. Also, when economic activity is expected to decline, corporates may choose to postpone expansion plans and defer hiring of employees for the time being. This then could mean slower demand for office and industrial space, translating to higher vacancies and less rental income for property companies. Mall operations could also be directly affected by a weak economy, since consumer sentiment could be largely affected and the propensity to spend more declines. This then could lead to fewer mall visits and less purchases for consumers while they are inside the malls, affecting overall revenues of mall operators. Finally, a weaker economy could also mean less travel opportunities, as I mentioned earlier, impacting hotels and leisure operations of the property developers we covered. Another sector of the economy, which we consider as highly cyclical, are port operators such as ICTSI or ICT. The company is a worldwide terminal operator with operations in Asia, Americas, and EMEA. Accelerating global economic growth should translate to higher shipping volumes that should directly benefit ICT. Also, one of the strengths of ICT is that it's well diversified across countries and trade goods with volumes having a good balance between exports and imports. However, when economies are in recession, world trade may deteriorate and impact ICT's volumes and profitability. Also, protectionist policies by governments, as well as political and security issues, could be detrimental to global trade and port operations in general. Finally, before we end, I'd also like to highlight that we consider conglomerates such as Ayala Corp, SM, AGI, GTCAP, JG Summit as largely cyclical stocks. This is because they have ownership in or exposure to various cyclical businesses such as property, banks, airlines, autos, and consumer discretionary companies. Also, since they are exposed to various sectors, their revenues and earnings are quite or very much correlated to the overall health of the economy. Hence, when the economy does well, conglomerates, which are highly cyclical too, should be able to generate better profits. On the other hand, when the economy weakens, earnings of conglomerates are largely affected. So that basically wraps up our session for today. But before we formally end this podcast, I would like to give a brief recap of what we talked about today. Number one, cyclical companies' financial and share price performances tend to be largely affected by the prevailing macro conditions of the country or the different stages in the business cycle, which, as you know, may experience booms and busts. Cyclical companies typically see more volatility in their cash flows and earnings versus their defensive stock counterparts, and hence, investors categorize cyclical stocks as inherently riskier investment outlets compared to the latter. Number two, as a rule of thumb, when the economy does well, cyclical stocks also outperform. However, in periods of weak economic growth, cyclical stocks tend to underperform. This is because demand for the products and services of a cyclical company would really take you from the current state of the economy. For instance, in periods of high economic growth, when unemployment is low and productivity increases, households earn more and hence may have more money to spend. 
in turn, demand for discretionary items and services, such as restaurants and travel and leisure, typically increase, while purchases of big-ticket items such as cars, houses, and other consumer electronics accelerate. The companies that directly benefit from the scenario of accelerating consumer demand are typically your cyclical stocks. On the other hand, when the economy is weak and unemployment increases, consumers may have less money to spend on discretionary products and services, and purchases of big-ticket items decline as well. In such a scenario, cyclical companies are directly affected. Number three, examples of cyclical stocks and sectors in the Philippine stock market are consumer discretionary, such as JFC, Pizza, Maxis, Wilpon, and Home, travel and tourism-related stocks such as SEB and Bloom, banks such as BPI, BDO, Metro Bank, and Security Bank, property developers such as Ali, FLI, Mega World, Robinson's Land, and SM Prime, port operators such as ICT, and finally conglomerates such as Ayala Corp, SM, AGI, GTCAP, and JG Summit. So with that, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this podcast. For our clients who would like to learn more on the stock market, please feel free to message us in our BPI Trade Facebook and Twitter accounts for topics that you'd like us to discuss, and we will do our best to accommodate everyone. Thank you again, and take care. I will talk to you soon. Bye. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the podcast creators, hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the policies and position of BPI Securities Corporation or its other employees. Any content provided does not intend to malign any group, individual, or anything. This podcast episode is purely for informational purposes only and shall not be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any securities, futures, options, and or other financial instruments. To participate in any particular trading strategy or to provide any investment advice or service. Any recommendation herein does not pertain to any specific investment objective, financial situation, or any particular need of the listeners.